We want to welcome everyone to another episode of Minority Report Podcast with Eric and Carell. I am your host, Carell Cooper, and we have a little bit of a different episode for you today, but one that I think you will find very interesting. But before we get into the content, I want to kick things off by welcoming back to the podcast, Myra Laudin, founder at VR Perspectives. Myra, how are you doing? Great to join you again. Great to be here 100 episodes later. Yeah, yeah. We were talking earlier this week, and I think you were originally episode 17, and we're up to 125. So we've pumped out a lot of content in the last two years since you've been on. Since it's been a while since you've been on the podcast, why don't you catch everyone up on what's the latest at your company? So the last two years have been wild for everyone. And being in the tech space, I realize how fortunate I am to be able to continue my work remotely with my teams. And being a serial entrepreneur, I was able to continue work in a couple of different areas. So on the Vector side, which is my custom development company, we're continuing to create VR experiences and safety training. And now with the metaverse entering the mainstream vernacular, we're also helping companies build their own virtual experiences or quote unquote, their piece of the metaverse. So most recently, we've actually been working in the nuclear space, which has been super interesting to learn about. It's very new for me. So we're building safety training and things like that for them right now, too. On the perspective side, which is more of what you and I spoke about in our last episode together, you know, the VR immersive behavior company, COVID really stopped all my travel, which I think was good. Every month I was traveling somewhere, speaking or going to do a program with people. And what it allowed me to do was shift more to working on content, which I really did need the time and also gave me more time to work on building partnerships. So partnerships with places like Harvard Business Review or Harvard Business Publishing and Procter & Gamble and a few others. So we've been focused on creating content with organizations that represent their own challenges and opportunities. A lot of companies that have come after us in this space, a lot of our competitors are really going with this mass SaaS, like software as a service model with off-the-shelf training which is great too. What we know from learning science is that you need more tailored programs for topics like behavior and inclusion as they're really unique to each team. So with PNG, we've created what we're calling the TINA experience. It's an immersive experience through the perspective of a black female engineer at PNG. And we worked with PNG's family care engineering team. And from there, we worked with their African ancestry advisory team, which is we call the AA advisory team. And they helped us create this virtual experience based on their own personal interactions in the workplace. So from a learning science standpoint, it is always more effective when you can contextualize learning, right? To make it more familiar, more applicable to the participants. And especially with behavior-focused learning, a lot of times participants will say things like, well, yeah, this is great and this is really important, but these things don't happen here. I've experienced that several times. I know others have also. So when we create something that is based on their own team's stories, that becomes a pretty powerful tool. And that's what my goal is, that as this metaverse concept blows up and more companies understand the power of immersive learning, that they all want to tailor their programs with us. So one of these forward-thinking companies is obviously P&G, and we have the honor to have the AA advisory team on board with us today. Yay. But before I introduce them, let me just give a quick background with what we've been doing with them. 
I've been working with PNG for the last couple of years, and we recently went through our program of Milestone One. We focused on behaviors of exclusion, and for Milestone Two, we will focus on the Black lived experience, and that's where this partnered content that we created comes in: the Tina experience. It's about a Black female engineer at PNG. So, welcome, team. Why don't we start with some introductions? I'm Ben Jones, you know, of course, work at Parker Gamble, electrical engineer, so power control systems at Parker Gamble. I've been at the company for nine and a half years now. Awesome. Great to meet you. And thanks for being here. Nina, you're up next. Hi, everyone. I'm Nina Tavernier. I've been at the company for a year now, and I also work in engineering as the digital solutions manager. Great to meet you, Nina. Kimberly, you're up. Yes. Good morning. I been with the company for 22 years, and I work in our digital solution and manufacturing automation and systems organization. Great to meet you, Kimberly. And last but certainly not least, Anthony. Hey, everyone. Uh, good morning. Uh, Anthony Castro, been with PNG now nearly 24 years, working in our engineering organization with responsibilities for engineering organizations within our plants. Great, great. All right. Let's really dive into the conversation. So as Myra was giving some context to what we're going to be talking about today and the experience that you all have gone through. And the first question I have is we could start with Kimberly and then Anthony would love to hear your thoughts. What was the experience of going through the milestone for you and what did you learn? Yes, the experience of going through what we're calling the milestone one when we first kind of kicked off this program in partnership with Myra and her team and our engineering organization. So initially for me, it was Okay, so is this just going to be another DNI or ENI type training that I've been through with others over my lifetime? And so that was kind of an initial thought. But then actually going through the VR experience with everyone, so myself and everyone else, and we all got to experience the same thing to see and hear the same experiences. And then it was like, okay, as a woman of color, I'm feeling validated here. And others can see and hear some of the things that I've gone through in my experience in life, whether it's school, work, (laughs) and in the community. But then the discussions and the discussions with the team to hear team members go, whoa, yeah, some of these, these I have seen, some of these. I've experienced, but never really thought or or said anything. And that was like the first experience going through the exclusion and then coming back, going through the inclusion experience. And again, having the conversations and the discussions and team members going, okay, okay. Yeah, I could see how these things could happen. And I could see how there's this possibility of how I could step in and respond and do things different. And then so I started to move to this mode of, oh, okay, <laughs> I'm hopeful here that this experience can really, you know, going through this VR experience can really take us to another level of helping ourselves as an organization move forward. And Anthony, what about your thoughts? Very similar thoughts or anything different there? Absolutely. Very similar thoughts. Kimberly mentioned as you go through it and you actually even have the discussions with your team. I think one of the things that was an open experience for myself is some of these things I thought kind of were just common, right? So I didn't necessarily think a lot about them. 
but to be able to have those conversations with our team and for us to then start making that connection with the feeling of exclusion, it really was a level of excitement in terms of feeling like, hey, the broader organization now has insight of what it is. Now they get it kind of a deal. Very different than our traditional methods, right, where we go in, cover content, we may have some discussions, but you don't get that emotional kind of connect and kind of reaction. For me, that was really the really exciting part of the experience when we initially did it. And so as we started to talk about other possibilities and just thinking about how we can kind of make it more our own and kind of think about some of our own personal experiences, the excitement just grew even further. Gotcha, gotcha. And I think about some of my experiences at the company I work for and being a part of the ERG groups. And one of the things I often hear from our Black employees is that because of what's gone on in our country over the last couple of years, the burden of teaching others about your experiences weighs on you and is very heavy, right? And I'm wondering if by going through this experience, a little bit of a different experience, a little bit of a different way of people in your organization learning and not necessarily the burden having to be on you all. Did you all feel that? Did you feel like it was less of a burden going through this experience and creating this experience? I agree. It did feel like less of a burden and also felt like it was an easier way to help get the message across versus me feeling like I'm trying to convince you that this is real, right? So to have someone be able to sit in the shoes of the individuals and have those microaggressions coming at you, it felt like it could reach the heart much easier than me, this other person when they're not in an experience trying to tell them something and convince them of something. Gotcha. Okay, cool. And I want to go to Ben and Nina for this next question is, is being a part of the advisory team, what did the process look like in creating sort of this entire experience for you? Would love to get some thoughts and sort of dig into the process there a little bit. Ben, I'll start with you first. Yeah. So as we created the experience for Tina, we kind of started with kind of what Anthony talked about in just kind of collecting experiences from each other. So looking into what we have all experienced, both internal to the company and external. So what things have we seen and kind of built off of each other? Like, hey, that happened. Like, wait, actually, that happened to me too. I forgot, you know, because I didn't even think about it because some things happen so often that you kind of get used to it, right? And so we kind of took the time to really think about, you know, some of the things that happened to ourselves and collected those experiences. And after we did that, we had just kind of a session where we talked through like, okay, what do we want to see? What do we want our coworkers to feel when they go through these experiences, right? And so we were thinking about, okay, we want a situation. We want to show something that we know everyone can relate to and that they can see on a regular basis, right? And so that's kind of how we kind of determined what we were doing with the teenage experience, which is in a setting as far as a meeting. Right. And like what can happen in just a general meeting or a meeting where you're presenting information and us being engineers and being more technical, like how those conversations usually go. And there's always a balance between, you know, how technical you are versus how much you talk about the business and the objectives and how far in detail you go with those kind of conversations. And so like we spent the time with each other, just kind of going through that process, determining what situation, determining what the goal was, how we want people to feel. We wanted to definitely get people to feel something in this experience. We didn't want it to be something that was hard to understand or hard to get to a point where you feel some frustration or something with that experience. So that way we all have that shared emotion as well. So it has a better connection 
And we continued with that and built out that experience, even got to a point where we were going through the script itself. And so we were talking through like, okay, what would somebody say in this situation? Let's take a real situation, somebody at a certain level, having a certain type of presentation, a certain type of project, and what type of things have happened to us that we can include in this virtual experience, right? And so right. we did like script reads and went through that process and made it sound more like PNG's language, like how we talk. Like, okay, this is a meeting I've actually been in. This looks like something that I've seen myself, right? And so kind of went through that whole experience and tailored it to an experience that we have had within our company and that we think can be impactful and actually cause people to have a reaction and generate better and deeper conversations through the experience. Right. And I really loved our part in the entire process. I remember in one of our first connects with Myra, we as an AA or African ancestry soundboard for her asked the question, uh, what do you see our part in this entire creative process being? And I remember I really loved her answer because she said she envisioned us as like her research because the stories that we were able to kind of come to her with weren't things that you can just easily find online. We were acting as her research in the process. And I really appreciated that these stories that the virtual reality capture were going to be stories that actually happen in the workplace versus stories that were just brainstormed by a team of people that can't directly relate to the virtual reality characters. And so one of my like favorite memories of going through the entire process, like Ben said, was that time when we all read through the script before the <laughs> experience came to fruition. It was just a lot of fun. And just to be able to give the feedback, like, yeah, we don't really talk like that in PNG. That's not something we would, <laughs> would really say. So, so yeah, I love the process and really appreciated the part that we played. Awesome. So y'all just went through the Tina experience for the first time. What did it feel like to have your experiences, your collective experiences coming to life? What did it feel like? Because I haven't had time to actually debrief with y'all. So it's my first time hearing it. I know Kimberly, Ben, and I actually had a chance to kind of go through it at the same time. Awesome. We were kind of debriefing okay. after the fact. And the fact that we were talking about how realistic in terms of the content, the setting itself, right, in terms of just the environment, what it looked like it just made it real, right? And so it allowed us to really kind of just focus in on understanding the microaggressions that were taking place. And even we talked through some of those types of things, right? In terms of, hey, you know, this happened, we chose this option, this is what transpired. Thinking about the exclusion component and then doing the inclusion piece where you're you're actually not the presenter anymore, you're on the other side of the table and the things you can do to try to make that a better experience for the individual that's actually presenting. Overall, it was great. Nina and I got a chance to kind of talk about it yesterday. I know she got a chance to go through it and we were just kind of, again, comparing notes. So given the fact that she did it separately and then, you know, us talking about it after the fact, to me, it just drove home the fact that we we had something here that should have a significant impact on the organization because of just a realistic nature of it, right? Content, environment, those types of things, people will should be able to relate to exactly what we have currently created. Yeah. And for me, I love that Tina experience. I think that it's super, very authentic to the way that it captures Black female experiences in corporate America. And I would say for me personally, that some parts of the teen experience were harder to watch than others just because how closely to home that they hit. And for me, mainly because of my experiences as a Black female in a PWI. So, you know, in college, I remember like being a part of a computer programming class, part of a group that was developing an app. And I was the only Black female um, in a majority white and male dominated classroom. And I remember with my group, you know, every time we couldn't figure out something that day, we'd go home 
And I would look at it more, look at the problem and come back the next day with a solution. And I remember that those groups that the guys I was working with, they would always be like, you know, how is it that you came up with that? Or they'd ask me, did you find that online? Or you must know somebody that took this class before. It was always blew their minds that a Black female figured out the problem that we couldn't figure out as a team the day before. So I wish that like in those moments, I had that Tina experience to show them like, this is the direct impact of your microaggressions and the long-term impact of, of those statements. Nina, I appreciate you sharing a personal story there. And I think the folks listening to this podcast will definitely be able to learn from that. But, you know, if you wouldn't mind, I, I would love to dig into that a little bit more. I mean, as you were going through that experience, how was that making you feel as an individual? Yeah, it's, it doesn't feel good because it feels like for some reason you don't look at me as capable or as capable as you see yourself in the classroom. So something in your past or there's just something in your background that makes you believe that a minority student can't be as smart or as intelligent as you are as a white male or a white female. It didn't feel good. And I think it was a hard reality and just one of the many experiences that you go through at a, at a PWI school. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Really, really appreciate it. I guess this question is really for everyone here. What do you want your team to take away and learn from the Tina experience? I guess I can answer that. So from my perspective, first thing, I don't want people to think that that we think every meeting goes like this or we think everybody is just like attacking and you know having microaggressions all the time. That's not the thought. It's just that these situations do happen, even if they're more mild than this experience, they happen on a regular basis. They, they happen on a frequency. And personally, I just want people to recognize that these things do happen. And once we get to a point where we can recognize that we can have conversations and recognize that these things are happening, then we can get to a point to prevent them. Like until we acknowledge it, mm-hmm. we can't stop it. Right. So I want people to get to that point. And then going forward in the more inclusive experience, like, hey, these are things you can do to call in certain behaviors and continue to improve and get us to a point where we all feel valued and respected in the organization and just in general, in the company and just in the world. So, you know, another thing I would add to that too is I'm hoping it will also help our organization in terms of as we're bringing in new talent, how do we make sure that talent is not having the same experiences as this group has had, right? Or having different experiences. So over the long term, we can move the culture where we really need it to be, right? I mean, Ben talked about, you know, how to be champions, how to call folks in. I'm hoping folks will learn those skills and get comfortable to the point where this is no longer an issue within the company. But I I think it'll be a great experience. And in fact, that it's based on our experiences, I think should help them also just have belief and validation that these things occur. Like Ben said, it's not something that happens all the time, happens every day, but the reality, it does happen. Right. And it's an opportunity for us to get better as a whole to make sure it doesn't continue to happen going forward. I could just ditto everything that Ben had shared before is just truly when I look at my teams, I just want them to be open to the fact that these microaggressions and the the macro ones we kind of see quite frequently, but these microaggressions happens. And then how do we then take a step back? Because as I was mentioning earlier, when we was going through milestone one and that said, and I had team members say, oh, yeah, you know, I have seen some of these things, but they didn't do anything. So how do they now learn how? Yes, you can do something. You don't have to sit quiet. And that's how you begin to make a more inclusive environment for everyone. Yeah. 
I and love that you said that, Kimberly, because a lot of DNI training is always about awareness, and we're trying to get to well, what's the actual action, right? And so what Ben said that you get to be in the side of one of the leaders in the experience, we're giving you ways of how you can be an influence in a conversation without even having to be confrontational, right? There's a what we talk about throwing a wrench in the way that the conversation is going. So I love that you mentioned that because it needs to lead to action. Yes. Yeah, and I think we talk a lot about this, right, when it comes to DEI training, where there is training and you want people to learn, but then you also want action. And I feel like based on this conversation and how passionate all of you are speaking about how impactful this training has been for you, right, is this been one of the best DEI learning and awareness experiences that you've been through and would love maybe one or two sentences as to why. Nina, I'll start with you. Yeah, I would say definitely yes, because you know, before we were using NPNG experiential learning with the virtual reality and perspectives, we were using storytelling as our benchmark for learning. And I think the problem with storytelling sometimes can be that all of the work of storytelling falls on the storyteller or the person that's experiencing the bias. So it really only makes the storyteller uncomfortable versus everybody needing to get comfortable being uncomfortable, which I think is exactly mm-hmm. what experiential learning and perspectives has done and has really has really raised the bar of learning about what it's like to be in someone else's shoes. Anyone else want to add to that? One other thing I wanted to add is definitely along those same lines, it's a step up from the storytelling, but it's also kind of like what Nina was saying, it's, it's a shared experience that you have like a baseline to talk from versus like someone just telling you their experience and you just talk about their experience. In this case, like you have the experience with them that you can relate to and that you can actually draw from when you're talking through it and having the conversation. So I really like that part of it. That's why it leads to one, more conversations in general and also potentially deeper conversations. You know, that is you hit on it, Ben, is the VR experience plus the conversations after, like the combination of those two, right? So it's, it's one thing to actually have the experience. You know, if you didn't have the conversation, you can almost, in essence, internalize it and not necessarily go out and, and really have to think through or talk through kind of what that impact it had on you as an individual. But the fact that we do it as a group and then have the discussions as a group, I think it really is very different than what we've historically done. Like Nina said, right? You know, normally it's the storytellers filling the burden, sharing. You may have some discussions, but just that emotional connection is not there. Now you get the emotional plus the discussions afterwards and that shared experience and that commonality, the type of work we're talking about here in terms of it being linked to, to P&G. I think, I think that's the big thing that's very different than what we've traditionally done. Kimberly, any final thoughts there? I mean, it's the same as the group have definitely shared. For me, it has been one of the best because you get to have everyone experience the same thing and hear the same thing and and understand the same thing and then get into the conversations like Anthony was mentioning. Whereas before, unless you've experienced them or been in that place where those microaggressions were coming at you, it was kind of you just, okay, I'm listening, taking the word of the storyteller. But now to have everyone be able to almost be like in at the same starting ground going into the conversation, I thought that is really what made it powerful and different from some of the other experiences that I've had with DNI, any and I trainings. 
Yeah, awesome, awesome. Well, I want to thank you all for joining me today and for providing your insights and experiences. Really, really great conversation. Myra, for anyone that is listening to the podcast that wants to continue the conversation, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Sure. Great question. They can hit us up on our website. It's VR, virtual reality, vrperspective.com, or just email me at myra at myralaldine.com. And happy to do demos and talk through things and just chat as well. Awesome. Ben, Nina, Kimberly, Anthony, thank you again for joining and sharing your experiences and your insights. And please keep up the great work. It's definitely needed. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Thank Thank you you so much for having us.